Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, sitting around the table today, we're one absent. Pastor Tim is gone, but we have Scott Slater, Dave Arnold, I'm Spencer Snow, and we are here today to do a special uh, bonus, a uh, quick episode here um, in between our Baptist Faith and Message series. And today, Pastor Scott is going to walk us through um, kind of the basic question, what is the Southern Baptist Convention? Because sometimes you might have questions. You probably have heard what it is. What does it do? How does it impact our church? What's our relationship to it? Um, all of those questions, or maybe you've never even heard of it. Um, I don't know. Um, but Pastor Scott is going to uh, walk us through today, kind of give us some background, answer that question, and kind of give us an introductory course um, through what the SBC is and what our relationship as Monroe Missionary Baptist Church is to it. So, Pastor Scott, do you want to take off? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that, honestly, I was thinking we need to bring up and talk about are things that we've already mentioned before, and some of it will be recap because before we started going through the Baptist Faith and Message, we started to uh, look at or we asked questions about the history of the Southern Baptist Convention and where it came from, how it started, things like that. And so some of this will be a recap of that or just repeating it. Um, but I thought that this would be a helpful thing for our church to hear and to know because this last Sunday, uh, one of the things that I mentioned during announcements was that our church needs to be praying for our brother Kenny Spain, who is a member of our church, uh, but also serving on the mission field uh, normally, but he's been here for several months and he's known by many of our people. Um, but we prayed for him because our church has sent him as a messenger to the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting. So I mentioned that, and then after mentioning that, I started thinking about it, and I was I was, uh, thinking that, honestly, there's probably a lot of people sitting out in our pews that don't know what that means. What does it mean that we've sent him as a messenger to an annual meeting? Um, and so just the question that I wanted to try to address is, what do we mean by that? What is the Southern Baptist Convention? Uh, what is this meeting uh, that he's gone to? Um, just so that our church can be informed. Um, I know that, I mean, some of this stuff that, that we'll go through is, I mean, possibly a little boring. I'm not going to lie. But it's important. Uh, our church is part of a denomination. We do consider ourselves a Southern Baptist church. And so uh, the more informed that not only the pastors can be uh, and should be about how our denomination functions and works, it, it's also how our church and members need to be informed about how it works and even ways that they can personally be involved. So the question is, what is the Southern Baptist Convention? And I think the first step in answering that question is that we need to understand that the Southern Baptist Convention is not, first of all, a governing body in terms that it does not govern individual churches. Um, so, for instance, we as a Southern Baptist church, we don't meet together every year to make decisions about what the rest of our churches have to believe or ways that they have to operate. So, uh, Pastor Spencer, what would be a different denomination that maybe would function more like that? I mean, like the, the Presbyterian denomination? 
or the Episcopal church, they would have structures above a local church that would have not simply the power to advise, but to enforce certain uh, rules or statements of faith or procedures, whatever. They would have the power to do that. But the SBC doesn't have that power yeah. in our church. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend who's a Methodist pastor and it's very different because he'll, he'll say how they'll have oversight. They, they can even move a pastor to a different church mm-hmm. and to, you know, kind of the itinerant thing back from back in the day. But um, they have very different as far as their, their protocol, how, how they oversee his local church. It's very unique. Yeah. So the SBC does not function like that. Right. That's not what they do. Um, and so it's, it's not a small group of elite uh, leaders that have risen to the top, they get to make decisions for everybody. Uh, it's not even a, a a democratic group where everybody comes together to vote about what should happen to everyone in every church. Um, that's not how it works. And the reason for that, that we've is- explored this already in the podcast, is because of the Baptist commitment that we have to local church autonomy, that every church under the lordship of Christ has everything it needs to govern itself. Uh, we don't need uh, some higher body to tell mm-hmm. us what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. Uh, we have everything we need to make those decisions. So then the, the question is, well, if, if this is a denomination that doesn't exist to govern churches, why does it exist? What is the purpose uh, for this denomination? What's our purpose for cooperating in it? And the, the simple answer to that question is that the SBC doesn't exist to govern churches. It exists to give those churches who are autonomous an opportunity to cooperate together uh, towards a unified mission, towards what they're trying to do. Uh, and when we were going through uh, the kind of the history of the Southern Baptist Convention and it forming, it originally was formed for the sake of international missions, for churches pooling resources together uh, to uh, for the for the goal of of missions overseas. But that's grown. Uh, since then, it's it's developed a lot. Uh, the SBC's uh, a couple hundred years old or approaching that, and so things have developed a little bit since then. We have more that we're involved in and that we try to cooperate for than just international missions. There's also uh, what used to be called the Home Mission Board. We now call it the North American Mission Board, um, and so that's the whole purpose of churches pooling their resources. It's because we we believe and we recognize. That even though every church is autonomous in its ability to govern itself, every church still has the same mission. We're still trying to work towards the same goal of seeing the Great Commission fulfilled. And while we believe that every church doesn't have to have say-so over what happens in every other church, we can still work together to accomplish our, our goal, right? As so long as we're able to identify what that goal is. And that's, that's the subject of much controversy many times in denominations. So that's one thing that we have to make sure stays clear. But the way that we as Southern Baptists have organized to try to accomplish that goal that we believe that we have is to organize uh, 11 different entities, which the way that that works is outside of uh, this annual meeting, Southern Baptists through the years have decided to create these You could basically call them institutions, these institutions that function independently of one another throughout the year to accomplish very specific goals 
the parameters of which have been outlined by the Southern Baptist Convention, right? So they they don't they get to act independently of one another, but not outside the purview of what they've been told to do necessarily by the annual meeting. So those entities, uh, I said there's 11. It's the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee. And so the executive committee, basically, if you look at the Southern Baptist Convention's website, they act ad interim for the Southern Baptist Convention. So while the convention is not in session, the this executive committee handles the business. They take care of business. You have the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. That's kind of like the public square side of things. Uh, Southern Baptists trying to make their voice heard um, in politics and in certain legislation that they would like to see passed and uh, a few different things. You have Guidestone Financial Resources. That's the third one. And that's basically... Um, an entity that tries to provide insurance options, retirement plans, and things like that for Southern Baptists. Offshore banking yeah, and things like banking, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, so you have that. You have the, the big ones, the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board. Lifeway is like the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, you have uh, also the WMU, the Women's Missionary Union. But then uh, the last ones are the six seminaries which we've mentioned those before and talked about those before but those in general that's basically the the way organizing those to function throughout the year that's the way southern baptists have said those are how we want our mission to be accomplished so the cooperation of churches in the southern baptist convention is basically a pooling of resources of of money and then that money gets distributed to those entities to function right and so that's how that works so what you're saying is like the <clears throat> the sbc is basically a once a year business meeting yes where we decide where money that is pulled together is going to be uh decided and how it's going to be dispersed to 11 institutions mm-hmm. that the, the meeting has jurisdiction over yeah yeah i mean technically speaking if, if that's why the Southern Baptist Convention exists, what it is, is it is a two-day annual meeting that happens where different messengers from all SBC churches are sent to have this meeting to conduct items of business. Mm-hmm. That is technically what the Southern Baptist Convention is. It legally, this is something that like baffles people's minds, but legally the Southern Baptist Convention only exists two days a year. When they're actually in meeting, yeah. in business. It's kind of like whenever we would say our business meetings don't last. We have a business meeting once a month or once every other month. I forget how once often once it every is. Other month. Yeah. So those we would never say the business meeting is continually going on all the time. And that's really whenever you hear Southern Baptist Convention, that's really almost what you have to think yeah. is a business meeting that's not always going on. It's two days a year. Yep. Yep, that's right. And so if that is if that is what the Southern Baptist Convention is, if it's an annual meeting where messengers from affiliated churches gather to make decisions about the business of the Southern Baptist Convention, that brings up some questions that I think need to be answered that people might not know. So the first question is what is the annual meeting? And I mean it's it I mean that might sound like an overly simplistic question, but it sparks some controversy sometimes because the annual meeting it is a meeting that happens every single year, but it changes location across the United States every year. We don't have a, a central hub where we meet. 
um, you know, we're called the Southern Baptist Convention, and that's that's because that's where we started in the, the southeastern part of the United States. And so that's where you have the highest concentration of Southern Baptist churches. But Southern Baptist churches exist all across the United States. And so, for instance, last year's annual meeting was held in Nashville, Tennessee. This year's annual meeting that just concluded yesterday uh, was held in Anaheim, California. It was the first time I'd been to California in a long time because there's not very many SBC churches there. Um, and next year's annual meeting will be held in New Orleans, Louisiana. So it moves around different places for the sake of different churches that are in different locations to, to have the opportunity to come to that meeting mm-hmm. uh, to, to have a voice in what they're doing. And so it's an annual meeting uh, that happens, and that's that's the meeting that they gather for. I think, and it's also, I haven't been to to a, um, an annual meeting. You know, um, I'd like to go at some point. I would, um, but I think it's it's nice too because I'm I'm sure it gives pastors and messengers the opportunity to see to see like we're a part of something. You know, we have our autonomous local church, which is different than say the SBC church. You know, in Mississippi or whatever, or even in the next county, or even here in our own city. But it's nice that we can be a part of something that's larger than ourselves. You know, we have, it's kind of both and. It's like you get to have the the individuality of the, the autonomy of our local church and how we express that, the Great Commission through our local church, and then be a part of a larger convention that you can see how, you know, their, their uniqueness there, their churches do things differently, but we all have that goal. So I think that's really good. Yeah. I mean, you really could think, I mean, as you were talking, I thought about this. I mean, the the question to our church, I think, is, so how does being part of the SBC impact our church on a day-to-day basis Mm. in in those things? And the the answer is, well, in a real way, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It doesn't impact what we do. It doesn't impact how we organize ourselves. It doesn't impact really any of that. All our involvement with the SBC does is give us an opportunity to participate in missions Mm. and in theological education and in a few other things through those entities. That's what involvement in the SBC does, Mm. right? So it doesn't necessarily impact the day-to-day life of our church. What it does is it's an outlet for us that we've decided to participate in Mm. uh, for the sake of missions, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the annual meeting. The question next is, what is a messenger? And a messenger is basically a, a delegate, a, a person uh, that is appointed by a local church to go and represent a local church at the meeting, right? Um, the number of—it's not just one messenger per church. The number of messengers that every church can send varies depending on the size of that church. So larger churches get to send more messengers. Smaller churches get to send less messengers, and that's how that functions. It's honestly a lot like our uh, our system of, of government that we use in the United States, where it's like if you live in a state that has a higher population, you get to elect more representatives in that sense to send them to uh, speak on your behalf because you represent a larger population of the country. It's the same sense. We function in the same way, right? So our church, I don't know exactly how many messengers our church could send, um, but at last year's annual meeting in Nashville, there were over 14,000 messengers that went. Uh, this year's annual meeting in Anaheim, there were almost 8,000 messengers that went. And so it fluctuates. That's 8,000 is about the average 
14,000 last year was, was the highest in a long time that it happened. Um, but uh, it's about that's about normal, which when you think about it, I think the statistic is there's like 14,000 individual members, or no, 14 million individual members of Southern Baptist churches. There's 45,000 churches in the Southern Baptist Convention about. And so when you think about it, 8,000 people is a tiny, tiny representation of actual people who are affiliated with the Southern Baptist mm. Convention. So it's a very small percentage of people that go. Um, messengers don't have to be pastors of churches. They don't have to be deacons in churches. They don't have to be Sunday school teachers. They It could literally be anybody. It could be a family who maybe we had here at our church, and we knew that they were going to, to California for a vacation, and we were like, hey, by the way, would you like to function as a messenger of our church? They would probably say no, Yeah, <laughs> but it could. Right? So, so men or women yep. can serve as messengers, correct? Yeah, that's yeah, right. right. Yeah. Anybody. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, I forget. Is there an age? Yeah, I was going to say that. Is there an age limit? Uh, I, w- I honestly don't know. I would say there probably is an age limit. Um. I don't know what that is, though. Right, mm-hmm. right. I'm sure there are certain stipulations about, like, you have to be a member mm-hmm. in good standing at a church. Um, mm. I do think that messengers have to be reported by church church clerks prior to the annual meeting. Mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to happen. Mm. Um, well, you've, you've registered for an annual meeting before, so, I mean, what's the process like? To do that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly pretty easy. It, it could be, uh, it could easily be swayed, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because you basically go online and you register. Uh, well, what's sup- what's supposed to happen is the clerk of your church is supposed to go online for you. Oh, I think, and register you as mm-hmm. a messenger mm-hmm. uh, for for the annual meeting. Okay, mm-hmm. right to put your name on the list, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I went last year, I did it for myself. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, churches, uh, I think, I don't, again, like, I don't know all the super details about this, but, I mean, it would generally be good practice, right, for a church to actually vote and decide who their messengers are mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. for the annual meeting, right? A, a individual member of a church shouldn't just decide right. uh, that, oh, I want to go be this, when none of the other church members have knowledge of that that you're doing. Right, because technically that w- you couldn't go just on your own, right? I mean, Techni- you, technically, no. But practically, it potentially. It could probably happen. happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it probably could. It's, right. it's interesting because my previous church, um, SBC Church here, uh, they would vote on their messengers to represent the association. So, for example, mm-hmm. every every year a new messenger would be voted or, or it would be a renewal to represent the uh, our the local church in our southeast association so yeah and we do that as well yeah we've classic. we voted on that as well um our church voted in a regular business meeting mm-hmm. on kenny mm-hmm. spain to be a messenger for mm-hmm. us to the annual meeting uh so uh i think what we did was we when it came to the more local stuff so what you brought up is that we're not just part of the southern baptist convention in a national sense but also in a statewide sense mm-hmm with the Baptist State Convention of Michigan, which is its own separate thing, right? and with the um, the Southeastern Baptist Association, which is, again, its own separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is state-focused. The other one is just here locally focused. Um, we, I think we elect our messengers to the, um, to the uh, Southeastern Baptist Association like for a full year. They mm-hmm. function for a full year because there's multiple meetings of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it's in November that we'll have 
the meeting for the state mm. convention. I think that's when that is, some somewhere around that time. But that's what a messenger is, mm. um, is a person that's elected by a church to go and to represent mm. that church, to vote uh, in that sense. So do we read about messengers in Revelation when it says, and to the angel of the church? Because <laughs> angel means messenger, right? <laughs> that is a exactly. biblical What if when it's only appropriate that they were in Anaheim, which is where the <laughs> Los Angeles angels are at, so really, this was the this was an angelic gathering. That's there right. Go. There you go. That happened go. Of, yeah. of angels. But what if we change that the word? Do you think more people would want to go? I don't know. You, if we you followed need to get everybody the, to stand up and clap their <laughs> a little bit. If we followed the uh, the Revelation verse, because it means messenger. There you go. So yeah, yeah. we're going to represent. We're going to we're going to send three angels to the convention. I mean, depending on the the how the <laughs> convention is going, you could also call them like a messenger of Satan, like Paul does with the thorn, <laughs> thorn. in his flesh. Man. <laughs> well, Hey, would you be interested? (laughs) Oh my goodness! Yeah. So anyway, something to consider. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Make a make a resolution. Yeah. All you messengers out there, (laughs) you want to become angels. Yes. Um, But what you bring up about you said make a resolution. All right. So the next question is, what are the items of business that these messengers are going to be voting on? What are the things they're going to be hearing and doing at the meeting? And a lot of it you can probably imagine. They're voting on the same things that we vote on as a church. They're voting on budgets. Uh, They're voting maybe on officers or on committee members uh, that are functioning in certain ways uh, throughout the convention. I'm not going to bore everybody by going through all the various committees that exist within the Southern Baptist Convention, but those are the big things that they're voting on um, are those things. Um, Each of those entities that we mentioned earlier will give a report and messengers will have the opportunity to ask questions of those entities, anybody, any one of the messengers. So what, from what you're describing is a very, very, very mega version of like our praise and ministry report time. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of what's going on at a, a macro level. Exactly. So when I or any of us get up at a praise and ministry report, what we do is the leaders of various ministries in our church are asked to get up to give a report of what's been going on, maybe what's coming in the future. And at the end of that report, we ask the question, are there any questions? Mm-hmm. That's the same thing that happens at the annual convention. Yeah, It's just there's 14,000 people there <laughs> right. who have the opportunity to ask questions. And get pretzels in the hallway. Maybe. They're probably going to cost like $20 <laughs> in Anaheim. But yeah. Right, right, right. yeah. Um, but uh, but that's, that is essentially what's mm-hmm. happening. And so like uh, I had the chance to watch, I think it was yesterday a little bit, the, uh, the seminary president's were giving reports, and there were several people that had questions for the seminary presidents. It might be their specific stance on a theological issue that they kind of want a clear statement from one of the seminary presidents. Now, that's important. Mm-hmm. You want to know theologically where your seminaries stand on certain issues. Mm-hmm. So he asked that question. They might ask operational questions of our seminaries, uh, like why they have certain practices that they do or things like that, or might ask how they've handled a certain situation uh, that, that you can ask literally anything you want to uh, of those seminary presidents that, that you want to, and of all the other entities for that matter. Um, right. So I think, I think it happened on uh, it would have been Tuesday this week. A messenger went to the microphone uh, when Paul Chitwood, who's the leader of the international mission board um, and asked the question, how much an offering was, like what was the actual number they had they had heard about an offering that was taken up for a specific purpose but they never heard a number published for how much was taken up 
And Paul Chitwood gave, he, you know, he didn't know the answer off the top of his head, but he got in contact with that person later that day and gave the number. So it's just stuff like that even that can be done. It's not all this crazy, huge stuff that's going to make the world come to an end. It's some of that stuff too. Um, but a few, the other thing that can happen in the business of an annual meeting is not just the committees giving reports the entities giving reports, there are also opportunities for the messengers who were there at the meeting to make their own recommendations and to make their own motions. It's They have various opportunities throughout the convention to go to a microphone and to, in very formal language, because we follow a very specific set of rules, uh, to say things like, I move, blank, blank, blank. Mm-hmm. And that's all they do. They get like, I think this year they got 37 Motions from the floor of the Southern Baptist Convention from messengers. And so messengers can make recommendations and motions about certain things uh, that happen. Um, There's also resolutions that happen at the annual meeting, which are basically statements of opinion of that year's annual convention. So like some of the examples of resolutions that happened this year, I don't know how they were voted on or if they were accepted or not. I just know that they were resolutions that were presented was like statements about the prosperity gospel. Um, There was a statement about Ukraine and Russia. There was a statement about rural churches, right? And those are just statements of opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just to where uh, usually having to do with hot button topics of the day or of the year or of current events like Ukraine and Russia, things Mm -hmm. like that. So they're just making statements about that. And so beyond doing those things, uh, one of the most... I think the most amazing part of the way that our annual meeting functions is the opportunity that's given to individual messengers to voice concerns, to make motions for things to happen. Because that's, just, I mean, realize what's going on. That's not a moment where this is a per, uh, like an executive that's worked their way up to the top that gets to push all the business that they want and shut everybody else out. You, I mean, it could literally be a retired 60-year-old school teacher who is just a member of a local church and is concerned about something and brings this to the floor and makes it an order of business for the entire convention to make to make a decision on or to vote on or to determine to do something about it's it's this is one of the ways that unlike almost any other denomination that exists the Southern Baptist Convention is not a top-down organization it is a bottom up organization because people are given the power and the ability to do that so if they make a motion and enough people in the room agree with them they can vote to make it happen literally anything could happen um so i uh two motion like for example two motions that were made at this year's annual meeting we don't have we're not going to talk about like the whether these were good motions or bad motions, that's not the point. It's just to give you an example of what could happen. Somebody at this year's annual meeting moved that one of the entities be abolished, that they that they just stop. And if that if that vote passed, they would have just stopped. They would have gone away. Uh, they, they voted to have the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission decommissioned, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> right? And that could have happened. Uh, it didn't happen, uh, but it could have. Another thing that somebody moved, they moved that any building or program in the SBC institutions, like main, I think mainly the seminaries it was, anything that was named after a person who had historically been involved in the slave trade, had like that thing had to be renamed or <laughs> something like that. 
Again, I don't know what happened to that motion. Mm -hmm. I think it actually went to the seminary staff to decide that. But those kinds of things can come up. Mm. Um, the, The way that you can see that this organization has a big impact on the whole convention, and it's not just a drop in the bucket or a person that's angry going to a microphone and just voicing their opinion for 10 seconds and then walking away, which that does happen, is arguably the two biggest items of business at this year's annual meeting that just concluded were, or they did, they originated from motions that were made from messengers, mm. not from entities, uh, not from committees. It were it were members of Southern Baptist churches that went to microphones at the annual meeting in 2021 and made motions that were dealt with this year. So those those two big items were dealing with. Um, a call for an independent third-party investigation into cases of sexual abuse relating to the executive committee. There was a lot of questioning, a lot of uncertainty, and so a a motion was made by a messenger that an investigation be made where the executive committee was required to waive attorney-client privilege. That ended up happening, and that was a big report that happened this year. It was a big item of business, but it originated from a messenger making a motion not from one of the big bureaucratic entities. The other uh, item of business that was uh, pretty, uh, that was eagerly waited upon to hear what was happening for that was a motion for a group called the Credentials Committee, which basically investigates churches and uh, makes sure that they are closely aligning with the Southern Baptist Convention's uh, Statement of Faith, which we've been talking about, Baptist Faith and Message. A motion was was made last year to investigate uh, Saddleback Church in California, which uh, uh, is Rick Warren's church. Maybe the name Rick Warren will sound familiar. They want that is a Southern Baptist church, and a messenger wanted that church to be investigated because uh, it was pretty much celebrated there. It wasn't secret. They had ordained women to be pastors in their church, which goes against the Baptist faith and message. And so in that messenger's mind, this church is in violation of the Baptist faith and message, we either need to call them to repent of what they have done and get back in line with the Baptist faith and message, or we as a organization, we as a denomination need to vote to disfellowship them because they're not walking in line. So that's an important point because what you're doing is you're not telling that church what to do mm-hmm. because we're autonomous, right? But we still, as a convention, do get to decide who we allow into the club and who we don't allow into the club. Mm-hmm. They can't tell Saddleback what they have to do, but they can tell them what they need to do if they want to stay in the club, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because there's that that unity around what is our mission. There are certain doctrinal distinctives that we have outlined, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about in the Baptist Faith and Message mm-hmm. and the normal series that we're doing. So... All of that to say, that highlights the importance of somebody being there in the room, because literally anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of votes that go on. There's important business that happens uh, in the convention. And, I mean, my goal in us talking about this has really just been maybe to get at some of the finer details of what happens at those meetings, why does it happen that way, how does the organization and the structure of the Southern Baptist Convention impact um our church and how do we as a church have opportunity to speak to situations Mm -hmm. and to be involved in those situations and everything that we've said regarding to this national SBC level, it also relates to the 
uh, state level, the Baptist State Convention of Michigan, they have an annual meeting where they receive messengers and the same things of business are voted on. And we do that. Same thing is true at the local level and our local association. I think we have 18, 18, 17 churches Mm -hmm. in our local association here that we're in partnership with, that we do stuff with. Uh, Same thing. I have a question about the president. So I know a president was uh, elected at this uh, recent convention. Um, how how long is their term? And second question is: Is the president of the SBC um, are they are they typically like local church pastors that are now functioning both as a pastor and as a president, or is this like a, a like a, a position that's like? That's their main job, and they get a salary for that job. No, it's a volunteer position. Okay, so they don't they don't get paid right. to do it. Um, I think the terms of the president are they can serve for two consecutive terms. Okay, I think is what that is. Um, but they have to be elected each time. Okay, every year. I think so. Are they are they term limited or is it just traditional? I think because JD Greer did three years. He did three years because there was not a state, there was not a right. convention in twenty twenty. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Because sometimes those, you read some of those old guys um, in like the eighteen hundreds, those guys served a lot. <laughs> yeah. Some of those guys like yeah. uh, like Patrick Hughes Mel, I think, was one of the guys who was mm-hmm. a, a Georgia Baptist guy. Um, some of those guys served a lot of years. Typically now, though, it's like one or two years and done. Yeah, I don't think anybody <clears throat> recently, other than J.D. Greer, for that circumstance with 2020, uh, I don't, I mean, pretty much they stay at two years. This mm-hmm. year, Ed Lydon, uh, who won the presidency last year, he did not run again this year. So they were a whole new round mm-hmm. of people that allowed themselves to be nominated. So you use the word run. Mm-hmm. Do presidential candidates actually run? Or are they just... They, they don't run, and I uh, I did say run, mm-hmm. but then I also tried to say yeah. allow themselves yeah. to be nominated yeah. because... That's an, I just think that's an important thing because yeah, some people might is. think that there's... Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Requirements it or is. whatever. It is, and yeah. it's... Uh, I think that highlights something that tends to happen more and more, and we could maybe talk about why it happens more and more, um, but more so just of an observation that it does happen more and more of the political nature. I mean, the annual meeting is political in nature. Mm-hmm. We're sending delegates right. to vote, mm-hmm. and we're voting for things that we agree on. Not every vote is agreed upon. Mm-hmm. I think there were four nominations that happened for the SBC presidency uh, total, and there was no agreed upon majority. There has to be, It's not just who gets the most votes. Mm-hmm. I think you have to get like a 51% majority to actually win the SBC presidency. And so nobody got 51 the first vote, so they had to go to a second vote mm. with just two candidates, the two highest candidates, right? And so it's contested, you know? Mm. And so it, it is by nature political, and the reason it is political, not necessarily dealing... When I say political, I don't mean like national politics. I just mean that you're you're voting for the person that you most agree with. Mm-hmm. And so that person, uh, you know, has to garner kind of support. You know, you're it's not a business meeting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Yeah. You know? And they can yeah. the candidate can be a pastor or it could be like a seminary president or it could be it could it could be anybody. It, it could be, be your it could be an old lady who teaches Sunday school right. at yes. your church. Yes. Right. It, <laughs> anybody could be a it president. It doesn't have to be a certain like required position no. already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. And that that takes us back to your question, so thank you. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a specific person. It could be a seminary president. 
It could be a member in a local church. I think generally, like you mentioned earlier, there are certain traditions, Spencer, that try to be followed. And one of those traditions is that it does seem to be the consensus of messengers that they prefer the president to be a pastor of a church. Mm -hmm. And I think the main reason for that is just because they feel like a pastor of a church can identify with them Mm -hmm. on a more down-to-earth level of Mm -hmm. what happens in pastoral ministry and what goes on, right? And so, I mean, many, I think, or I don't, that might not be true, but I know SBC president or seminary presidents have been elected as as president of the SBC before. Mm. That's happened. Yeah. It's just been a long time mm-hmm. since that happened. So has there ever been a woman? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think that but there that, has. That could. I think that could happen, yeah. yes. Uh, it could curious. because it's not a requirement right. that she be a pastor. There's there's nothing in the Baptist faith and message or, or our bylaws, mm-hmm. I think, that would bar that from happening. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think that would happen. Traditionally, consensus, like you said, has been this. Yeah, yeah. Right. And when they when they're elected as president, they're they're not paid because uh, mm-hmm. their real job as the SBC president. I think they are made like some, like an ex officio member of many committees uh, that are in the SBC. But their primary job, they elect certain people or they nominate certain people. Uh, or appoint certain people to positions on committees that have a trickle-down effect of what happens in the broader scope of the SBC. So the position actually is very important. But in terms of the president's ability to make big changes immediately does not exist Mm -hmm. in the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm -hmm. Their influence is through their appointment of committee members Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and, trusting those committee members to act in a certain way. Because, right, the people, they, they they nominate people to the committee on committees. Yes. Correct? They yes. don't even get to nominate people directly to a seminary, no. like whatever, like a direct, in, there's a committee that is on committees, yeah. and that's who they get to nominate I, yeah. people to, right? And I think the impact of that is they... It's very indirect. Yes, it's extremely indirect, but still very important. Right. They right. nominate people to be on the committee on committees, which I'm, I may get some of this wrong because I don't have a We need to get me. a committee on committees, by the way. That <laughs> you know just what? sounds like a lot of fun. Let's, yeah. let's, deacons get on that. <laughs> yeah, um, right. No, just kidding. Um, but they, Scott will head that up. Yeah, <laughs> right. No. Um, they put people on the committee on committees, and the committee on committees puts people on the committee on nominations. That's awesome. And then the committee on nominations is actually, I think, the one who appoint certain like trustees to seminary right. boards, mm. which those are the governing people at the right. seminaries, which that process that we just outlined, that sounds like a bureaucratic nightmare to a ton of people. That is the process that over a period of decades worked itself out mm. to... Uh, to become what is commonly called the conservative resurgence Mm. in the Southern Baptist Convention, where seminaries, by and large, had gone completely liberal, but through that process— they came back to what to orthodoxy. Uh, right. To there was an intentional plan to yes. say, if we elect the president mm-hmm. of the convention, we can put people on the committee on committees, which mm-hmm. will indirectly then yes. over it because people are mm-hmm. term limited yep. on all of those committees and trustee yep. boards, right? So mm-hmm. eventually, and eventually, if you get enough conservative and orthodox people mm-hmm. on the trustee right, boards right. of seminaries, 
those trustee boards will fire the yeah. liberal presidents of the seminaries right. and bring on mm-hmm. someone that is orthodox Smart. in their theology. Right. And that's exactly what happened in the 90s at Southern right. Seminary right. Like when they hired chess. Albert Moeller. It's like right. a good chess move. You know, you get the you get it right in the you're right thinking position. Se- you're thinking several moves ahead <laughs> exactly, is what yeah. you're doing, and right. that's, that's exactly right. So mm-hmm. it's muddy, it's complicated. To some people, it sounds like a nightmare that they won't have. They want nothing to do with. To me, I get for some reason really excited about it. <laughs> so, a couple of things. What is our connect? What like? Sp- let's just go really practical and tangible here for our church. What are the tangible things you mentioned? We don't. They, the Southern Baptist Convention cannot do anything actively to our church, but we can choose actively to participate. Mm-hmm. In that, how do we actively choose to participate besides sending a messenger or messengers to the meeting? What else do we tangibly do? We participate by sending money okay. to, uh, and we give to something called the cooperative program, which is basically the funding mechanism that funds all of the entities. So a portion of everything that we get as a church goes to that. Mm. Um, we... We don't announce these to our church, but we do participate in a lot of the annual offerings. Like there's the Lottie Moon offering. There's the Annie Armstrong offering. I think that we... And one of those is for the is for international missions. Yeah, the Lottie Moon one is for international missions. Every penny of that goes to the International Mission Board. The Annie Armstrong offering, all of that goes towards the North American Mission Board. And then there's another state offering. It's not called Francis Brown, is it? Is that the offering? I've that might be that. Kentucky's. I've heard that. Francis Brown, I think I've heard that. That might be ours. So, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Good old Francis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'll be honest. I don't really know who Francis Brown is. But <laughs> um, but we, as a church, we don't advertise those offerings because they all happen at different times of the year. What we do is we have what we call Mission Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the mm-hmm. year where we tell our church that everything that's given for that Sunday we distribute to those offerings, okay. like to mm-hmm. those missions offerings. We also have like an integrity Offering is that around this time of year for is that a Southern Baptist thing where oh, it's uh, not, for it's not integrity it's uh for like shoot, people who are called. retired from pastoral it's ministry for, yeah it's for like retirees widows who could use some extra yeah funds yeah hmm. mission dignity mission that's what dignity. it's called yeah okay. we have that and yeah. we'll, we'll have a video of that I'm sure at some point soon but hmm. yeah I mean it's something to to think about because I mean the reality is a lot of the majority of Southern Baptist churches are under 200 people. Mm-hmm. and can barely support a family mm-hmm. uh, financially. And so a lot of men that faithfully serve as pastors their entire lives don't have any retirement. Yeah. You know, that's why Guidestone Financial mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we give to offerings and things like that, mm-hmm. 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 for sure. Good. So we're tangibly involved in that way. We are tangibly able to send missionaries uh, through that. Um, we do benefit from the publishing arm, uh, mm-hmm. LifeWay, in many ways. And all those things, we tangibly are able to participate in our seminary. So, like, we just had a graduation Sunday where we celebrated our high school and and uh, college or, like, master's level graduates, mm-hmm, college mm-hmm. graduates. One of those, Ashley Bates, graduated from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary mm-hmm. uh, with a degree uh, in uh, focused in biblical counseling. And she got a pretty hefty discount from that right. by being part yeah. of a Southern Baptist church because right. our part of what we give to the cooperative program supports mm-hmm. Southern Seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a student at Southern Seminary. I've, I've graduated from their undergrad program, Boyce College. So I've personally benefited from mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, yeah, in all, all those different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. Mm-hmm. Good. 
That yeah, that's all I got. That's all you Everybody, got. Everybody's that's asleep good. right wow. now. Very that's wow. Okay. So let's Thank summarize you. real quick. The Southern Baptist. So to summarize, the Southern Baptist Convention is not a church. It is basically a business meeting once a year, yep. two days long, where all the messengers get together to decide how they're going to use the funds that they have pooled together. They elect officers to help lead the business meeting and the work of the con- of the meeting, mm-hmm. even after the meeting's out. Yep. And we do this every year um, to work together to uh, for the work of the Great Commission, for pastoral theological education, um, and a couple of other things like you guide stone right, mm-hmm. which is a kind of an auxiliary thing of pastoral ministry to help that and everything. So mm-hmm. that's basically what whenever people hear SBC, they should they should hear that and not um, it's not the Vatican. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although there is a, a, a Baptist Vatican in Nashville, or it used to be, <laughs> I think some people called called it that. Right. And the president is not like the Mormon president who's getting revelations and who can determine everything <laughs> for us. Right. He is simply the basically the moderator of the business meeting and has some power to nominate to give some people on the committee on committees. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I think that's just some basic uh, mm-hmm. summary things. I think anything else you want to summarize with? Or? I think we might have a future SBC president right yes. here in our midst. Spencer Snow. Slater 2030. <laughs> Slater 2030 right yeah. here. Yes. Now, Scott, you're going, you're planning tentatively yeah. on going to the the meeting yeah. next year in yeah. 2023 uh-huh. in Nolens. Nolens. Yeah. Go now, see Harry Jr. So they're probably, I mean, anybody who from our church, if they're interested in being a messenger right now, they could come talk to you, um, mm. and you you would be excited. Absolutely, I'm sure. Right? We would need to we would need to vote them as a church. Yeah, mm-hmm. as a church, yes, of course. Church, but, we need to do that. Right. But, but I went last year, and I'll be honest. I I'm not going to say I had fun <laughs> because you're sitting in a room in a business meeting. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I I feel very informed mm-hmm. after going to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I do feel like. Sometimes I think people get the feeling, like when I said that there were 14,000 messengers and that there are like 14 million Southern Baptists, I think that number's correct. You feel like a drop in the bucket and like you have no voice that matters. But after actually being there and seeing the way that it works, that literally anybody can get up to a microphone and say what they want, um, and it has a real impact on the way the meeting goes and the business that happens— um, after going to a meeting, you don't feel like that. Mm. You feel informed, mm-hmm. and you feel like you, you know, you ha- you you had a chance to m- to make mm. your voice heard. Mm-hmm. And That's good. Make a difference in that way. And That's you'll good. be able to go see one of the seminaries in yeah. New Orleans, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he actually he been... invited everybody there. Which, he did. Which yeah. one is there again? New Orleans Baptist oh, Theological yeah, Seminary. Yeah. I heard online that that potentially at one time they were considering even closing that down, but the president now has kind of possibly revived yeah. it, it to some extent it's one of the smaller ones yeah, yeah. so yeah. nice yeah there was a there was a really interesting jeff eorg eorg i think you say his name he's the president of gateway mm. uh seminary which is the one that's in i think it's based in california san francisco right i it used to be based in san francisco i don't think it's in san francisco oh, okay. anymore but he showed a graphic of all, like a, a dot that represented all of the other SBC seminaries that are basically concentrated in the southeastern United States and roads linking all of them. And then Gateway Seminary as a dot 
with all of their like extension centers mm. across the Western United States. Mm. And they, as a seminary alone, cover a geographical area larger mm-hmm. than all of the other seminaries awesome. in, the, in the Southeast. But there's a lot fewer Southern mm-hmm. Baptists that are up in that area. Sure, but sure. It was interesting. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this. Thanks, Pastor Scott, for yeah, walking us through that. Um, we'll start getting our pins and everything, like you said, Dave, yep. Slater 2030. Yeah, Probably yeah. we'll give him some years yeah. to get ready. He's still 30, so uh, we yeah. got some time. Yeah, and so that'll be... <laughs> It'll be great, and uh, if he's president, could you imagine the perks we'll get? Oh man, <laughs> we mean more like, like the hate mail. <laughs> no, I mean we'll get some. Come on, we'll get some really cool stuff. Yeah, I bet I agree. some. Uh, yeah, some really cool merch. At least a pen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, have to get some, on legal. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, take care and God bless.